In a bit, there's going to be an invitation for people to talk about an experience of the Holy Spirit. So, you're cued. If there's something that you'd really love to share, obviously you don't have hours and hours, so you'd going to be, we'd ask you to be relatively concise in it. There's going to be an invitation to do that, but I'd like to set the scene first. When I became a Christian, I had no idea about the Bible. I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. All I really knew is that I wanted to follow this strange Jesus. It didn't happen to me in a church, so I still remember the strangeness of walking into a church. I mean, they're odd places, full of odd people, of whom I am now one. And, and people react. Actually, people react to talk about the Holy Spirit in three different ways. And I'm going to invite us to do something in just a moment that will go us there. And the first way that people will react to this, some people will go, Oh, yes, I remember this. Bring it. Yep. And there will be other people who are going, oh yeah, I remember that. um, Could we not go there? And then there will be a third group of people who will just go, what? Okay, all clear. Let's just try a little experiment and see where you fit. Um, Oops, I've lost the thing. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. And just because some people are really keen, spring up, oh well. Within my soul, spring up, oh well. And make me whole, spring up, oh well. And give to me that life abundantly. Oh, we didn't get the lyrics up there. I think you may have to press that button twice more because I think you're not getting what should be up on the screen. Oh, no, no, it's me that's the problem. Why is it always me that's the problem? I know what's going on here. Okay. So I became a Christian, and that was one of the songs people sang. And I have to say, it's got some really good words in it. It's got some outstanding words in it. But the way they were sung, a bit odd for me, I have to say, is how I felt. I mean, these are scriptural words, making the lame to walk and the blind to see. And this song came out of a verse in John, where Jesus said, on the last greatest day of this festival, he stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. See, up until that moment, in the Old Testament, the Spirit seemed to be something that, it hovered over creation, but it it didn't stay with people. It might fall on someone for a period of time, but then it would go again. It was, a, I don't want to say fickle, but not constant. And this Jesus here is promising consistency and a constant presence. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And John tells us a little bit more. He tells us, by this he meant the Spirit. So nice of him to define that. Whom those who, uh, sorry, by this he meant the Spirit. Whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because Pentecost, what we're remembering today, has not yet happened. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Pentecost is a word used to 
remember a particular time the disciples, Jesus, has ascended into heaven. That's what we remembered last week. And then the Spirit arrives. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the Jews who had gathered together, who spoke all sorts of different languages, suddenly heard people speaking in their language, and they were astonished. The riverbanks burst. Peter spoke. 3,000 jumped on board. And the markers of the new river of life coming out of me community was that they lived life differently. They devoted themselves to learning, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to relationship together, to breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And so much was in common. They were so not obsessed with themselves that other people had a need and they would go, okay, I'll sell my possessions so that you have your need met. Which is pretty astonishing, isn't it? Uh, most of us are pretty keen. Signs and wonders, that'd be great. Selling my house so that you can meet. Um, can, can I? We view that kind of differently. The thing is, this... When I was preparing this, I was reflecting on my experiences with the Spirit of God. And, and one of the things you see in Acts is the Spirit of God has this movement in it. It's why it's really appropriate to pray for Malcolm and Wendy and this All Nations course. This movement of God's love. It, it's, and it's bigger than us. It's bigger than me. There's a new river of life and you can get caught up in something bigger than you. That's not just about what I like. And so, yes, maybe I will sell my possessions because you have need. And the early church, it was famous for feeding the poor. It was famous for rescuing orphans. There was a practice, remember there's no birth control back then, so it was a practice in early Roman Greek times that if you had more kids than you could deal with, you would just take the baby down and leave them in the gutter. And they'd be dead within a couple of days, so, you know, you're covered. Yep, I'm a reality, no birth control, so, you know... There are these consequences to that. And the early church kind of went, no, this isn't right. And we know that the early church used to rescue those unwanted kids from the gutters and find ways to feed them because they believed everyone was important. Because it wasn't, and that wouldn't have been comfortable for them. Yep, it was not just about them. And then Paul tells us some things about what the consequences are of being caught up into that river of the Holy Spirit. It would produce work in our life. He talks about what we like to call fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, you kind of don't need rules if that's how we're living. Because these things kind of correct things. Anyone who's been in charge of an organization, who's been a principal of a school or a boss, knows that actually if your organizations are marked by this, you don't have to bang on that much about rules. Things self-correct. And Paul seems to think that the Holy Spirit will produce this work in our lives. There's this river, and it will produce this work if God is at work in us. And uh, the difficult thing about this stuff, you can't boast about it, can you? 
No one ever gets up and says, I am so loving. I'm so humble. You can't do it. And yet, I was reflecting on it and thinking what I would be like if I had not got suckered into, called into, caught up into this river of following Jesus. And actually, I can see these things. But we don't boast about it. We tend to want to boast about a second category that Paul talks about. He talks about gifts in four different places, giving four different lifts, which suggests that none of them are definitive. And there are gifts which are about things that are said. Wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, discernment of spirits, teaching, speaking, and interpreting of tongues. Things that are said. And then there are gifts that are about practical help. Paul writes about a gift of helping, of administration, of serving, of comforting, of contributing, giving aid, working acts of mercy, hospitality. And then there's a third category that comes up, which are gifts of, I'll call them wonders, gifts to make people wonder, healings, miracles, acts of powerful faith. I believe God still does these, still gives them. I'm not sure that it's always that helpful to label things, to say this is what I'm now about to say is A, um, because I actually think we tend to judge what's being said all the time. We're discerning. You're listening to me if you're listening to me going, is what he's saying any good? And you might walk away afterwards and go, gosh, Colin really lost the plot today. And that's you discerning. And actually when it's a bunch of you talking about it, it's, it's us discerning together I do believe that God continues to speak and work amongst us and we should pay attention. And in our church, if you think you have got a message from God, we'd probably ask you to speak it, uh, check it with an elder or, or me. We'd probably ask you to find a way of speaking it that's less, thus saith the Lord, and more, I wonder if God's pulling this to mind. But certainly... The Spirit does seem to work that way. And then Paul does tell us a little bit about those gifts. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, they are given for the common good. So not just for me. And then later on in 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm particularly fond of this because I think this is part of my dream of church, is that when we come together, there's this exchanging. Someone might have a hymn, a word of instruction. These are these kind of gifts things and everything should be done so the church might, might be built up, which is why when someone, as has occasionally happened, comes and says, I've got a message from God and it turns out that it's all hellfire um, and damnation and judgment, um, there are occasions when you might say no because how does that build up the church? Now remember... I am going to ask if anybody wants to share an experience of the Spirit, but just one more thing. This has been as I've been musing on it. See, I had this time in Hong Kong that was very, very shaped by the movement of the Holy Spirit in places of great need, um, and where we worked like Billio. And I found it quite hard coming back to New Zealand because I couldn't name it, but I saw something else. I wonder, so this is my musings, I wonder if somehow we've got the idea that the Spirit is at our command, it's some kind of tool set, so a solution for the problems. I wonder if we've lost a sense of being caught up into something bigger than us, a movement of God that's not us-focused, but outward-focused. 
I'm pretty sure, actually, that sense of being caught up in something other, that's part of why we love to sing lots of songs. That sense, I'm caught up in something bigger than me. So there's something else that Paul does when he writes about the Spirit. He often compares the Spirit, which in Greek is pneuma, and the flesh, which is sarks. And so he says things like, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There's that sort of hint of if you're acting the way the fruit works, if that's working in your life, the rules aren't so important. The thing is that what that does for us that's kind of tricky, we tend to think Spirit, well, what's Spirit? That's kind of airy-fairy stuff, isn't it? It's the stuff you can't see. And flesh, well, that's, well, this is flesh, isn't it? This is how we tend to think about it. And that's not an entirely fair translation of what Paul is talking about. And actually, scholars fight over what flesh means in the Bible. I have come across one writer who has a really interesting suggestion. He says that for Westerners, the best translation for this flesh thing is the word ego. Yep. And it's a really interesting translation. That's the part of us that isn't interested in God's spirit, the river flowing out to make a difference in the world. We want something that makes it good for us. Okay. And so let's just, just for a moment, just try that passage again. So I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the ego. For the ego desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the ego. They're in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Is that interesting? I find that fascinating because there is this part in me that wants to succeed, that wants to be the best at everything. That, you know, that's in me. I've got this ego that is about me. But what I see in Jesus and what I think we are called into is lives that are not just about us. They are bigger. We're caught up into something bigger. And, and I'm saying this because I want God's Spirit to move through us. But I've watched, been at a whole bunch of meetings where I've seen that, but I've also walked away with a strong sense of egos. People building their own kingdoms. And I don't think they're meaning to. And when I respect on my experiences of the Spirit, I remember, I remember calling out to God in desperation as a young adult. I remember sitting with drug addicts, watching them withdraw, praying with them, and this amazing sense of peace when you ask God to be present and they ask God to be present and their pain went. I remember some healings. And actually more recently... I've been experimenting with the Ignatian way of praying, which is taking out hunks of time. And I have to say, I've, yeah, there's been some stuff going on for me that I find it really hard to talk about. But I would definitely say this has, for me, been the spirit moving. A kind of sense of calling me deeper into a river where I'm a bit out of my depth.
I do believe that Jesus was right. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But they're rivers. That when we talk about the Spirit, there is no place in the world that the Spirit is not present. You never get to see a place that is God forsaken. If you're there, the Spirit is there. I um, started by singing an old song. Actually, Easter camp, um, I didn't get to sing and go to any big tent meetings at Easter camp. It's mild jealousy. Um, but I know they sang this song because they've released an album and I've had to listen to it. And it, I really like the line in it. So for those who sang along with There's a River in Life, this goes, There won't be a day you'll leave me on my own. Your presence, God, is everywhere I go. Now, join me with that in a moment. I've got some people shaking their heads, so maybe I got that wrong, but let's have a go. There won't be a day you'll leave me on my own. Your presence, God, is everywhere I go. And we'll do it again. There won't be a day you'll leave me on my own. Your presence, God, is everywhere I go. My prayer for us is that we would have the Holy Spirit flowing through us, in and out of us. That we would be caught into something that is bigger than us. So more than our desire and our ego, that it would grow relationships amongst us, that we could be honest and broken and bring that to God, that we would see God work when we take steps of risk with others, that we would grow in the fruit as much as in the gifts, but this would be part of a bigger movement. That's my prayer for Pentecost. So there's the framing, but none of that is to say that it's inappropriate to say, hey, I was at this meeting. <laughs> I don't know if anybody will want to share after that. Anybody want to say something? An experience of God's Holy Spirit. If you'd like to share, come up, save us some walking time. I'd love to hear from some people. I'll try and keep this brief because people know I can talk. Um, November the 7th, 1990, um, I was sitting in a room at uh, my college university and I'd been through about four weeks of what you'd now call an alpha course, uh, which was all very interesting, all very nice because they offered food. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't mean anything to me. And then just after the last meeting, uh, my friend Dave and I were sat back in his room drinking coffee, listening to Pink Floyd, and he was going, I don't understand why Jesus had to die. What was all that about? And I answered him. And he says, I don't understand this. And I answered him. And he asked another question, and I answered him. And at that point, I said, oh, I think I need to go. Because the last thing they'd said to me, Keeping the story short, the last thing they said to me said, "If you want to give you, if you want to know where the bus is going, they said, if you want to know what it's all about, come back at eight o'clock." And I was aware that it was quarter two, and I just said, "I need to go." I got to the door, and I walked. Was about to walk out the door, and Dave just said to me, "So are you a Christian then?" 
And I said, hmm, I suppose so. I walked out the door, and I have to say the most powerful thing in the world hit me. The Holy Spirit hit me. Just went straight in, and I just knew for certain that that was a stupid answer. I opened the door. I looked in. I said, I know so. Shut the door. Um, couldn't help but jump up the staircase and down again and up and down. This is about six steps. I was just jumping up and down. I went down, realized I got 10 minutes, so I went and ran around college. Just ran around it uh, at full speed um, until it said eight o'clock, at which point I went and knocked on the door, opened it up, and they just said, we've been expecting you. Do come in, sit down, and I said, what do we do now? They said, pray. I said, I've no idea. Right. I said, I shut my eyes. They said, you want to the first time. And that was how God got me. I hadn't been baptized in water yet. I had knew nothing, absolutely nothing. But God baptized me first, abnormally born. Thank you, David. Um, I got saved at university, which was about 90 years ago now, not quite. No, no. Uh, and uh, when I was an engineering student, and actually in our group, there were of about 60 people that started off with two who were Christians, and they started praying for the rest of us. And by the time we'd finished three years later, there were 18 out of the 60 were saved, and I was one of those ones. And I went to the Jesus March, and it was that was the night that I gave my life to Jesus, and and you know, I experienced Jesus for the first time and I knew I was born again. I walked outside. Well, I didn't know it then until I read it and I knew, oh, that's what happened to me because everything else seemed new and I was driving home and I had to stop my car on the side of the road because I was laughing and crying because inside I'd found the thing that I needed most, which was Jesus Christ. But then a wee while later, I was sitting on my bed at home reading the, and it was good news for modern man that somebody else had given me the best gift I was ever given was the New Testament. They said, read it for yourself, and best thing that ever happened. And as I was reading Romans 8.26, which in the more, the standard translation that says something in our weakness, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes in us and groans too deep for human understanding. But in that translation that just said, weak as you are, the Holy Spirit will find you. And as I read that, I just felt this beautiful warmth run right from my head all the way through my body. It just felt like I was sitting in a warm bath, only it was on the inside and not the outside. And I, I really was sort of on fire for Jesus after that. I, I really was. I just couldn't stop talking about him. Um, I was in a coffee bar outreach team and we were having a prayer meeting and people started praying in other languages and I just started. I didn't know not to, so I just did. And then, But I had doubts later on because I went to a meeting and a lady who said, are you baptised in the Holy Spirit? And I said, oh, I think so, yeah. And she said, well, you would have gone up the front and people would have laid hands on you, would have started praying. Then I thought, oh, no, that didn't happen to me. Oh, oh maybe it's... <clears throat> maybe I've made it all up, but the preacher that night just said about taking things by faith. We ask, we believe, and we receive, and that's Thank you. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> In uh, two days' time, it'll be 42 years since I gave my life to the Lord. 11th of June 1977 in the Travelodge Motel in Wellington <laughs> at a full gospel business and breakfast. And I remember because I had to sit through 
two other guys preaching before I could rush up the front and give my life to the Lord because I knew after the first guy spoke that it was, that was the time when the Lord had got me. And, of course, at that time in 1977, we were in the middle of the, the charismatic renewal or uh, right at its peak, and everybody who got saved you know, spoke in tongues because that's just what happened, right? Um, and I went up the front and I gave my life to the Lord and I didn't speak in tongues or anything like that. I just felt great. <laughs> um, so I finished and I drove up to Mount Victoria Lookout in Wellington. Because one of the guys said, just go away and somewhere quiet. So I went up there and I was standing there looking out over you know, Cook Strait and all of a sudden I heard someone who must have been next to me speaking in this strange language. So I looked around to see who it was and it was me. And that's when I fully received the Holy Spirit. And that was just the manifestation he used for me. But I think even more importantly, I know that he's been with me every day since. And sometimes I haven't let him in. <laughs> But most days I have, and I can come here some days for worship, and it'll be great, be good worship, but there are other days when it's anointed, and I actually, every time I really feel the Holy Spirit, I get a tingle in my palms. I'll put my hands like that, and he just comes down like a gentle, gentle Scots mist or rain. You just know he's there. Apart from the fact he helps you discern stuff, you just know he's there because, as Dave said, you feel, whoa. It feels great. It's like falling in love every time. Um, hi, I'm Paul. This is Alex. Um, Steph and I have the privilege of um, parenting him, and Alex can't speak for himself, really. He's, most two-year-olds would speak better than he could. But um, he, you can just see the spirit fill him, and um, I just want to play you something. So remember that this is someone who can't really speak and this is him just in his normal life. So we get to hear stuff like that hundreds of times um, throughout our days and, um, we'll, and we're intending to do a hill walk this afternoon so we're not sure which of God's praises he'll be singing to um, or bellowing sometimes as we walk, walk along but that's the, how we um, have um, what we have in our household. Thank you. Hello. Um, I gave my life to Jesus in 1974, but before that I, I did now and again go to an Anglican church and I was actually confirmed in Liverpool Cathedral, which was Royal Pompton Ceremony. But then somebody took me to the Pentecostal church in Australia and uh, I knew I had to give my life back to Jesus again and I was drawn forward. 
And um, after I'd given my life to Jesus, um, they asked me, did I want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? Well, I knew there was a God up there and didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. But I said yes, and God just touched me, and it was, oh, it was beautiful. It was like the love of Jesus came into me. And that, previously to that, I'd said to a person I went with, I said, oh, I haven't got to tell anybody about Jesus, have I? But once God touched me in here, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I could shout it from the rooftops and tell everybody about Jesus. But after that, um, I really had that um, to move with Jesus and wanted more and more of him. And I remember um, I had friends and they'd say to me, oh, that's of the devil, that's of the devil. But I knew that it's a lie of the enemy because I know in here that that was God. And I've never looked back since and I've seen God test me after test me and God working in my life. I've seen the Bible come alive and I can say it's truly the answer. It's the light that comes into you and it is rivers of living water. Thank you. Yeah, um, I want to talk about something that um, has happened more recently because I always find it, it's easy for me to talk about things in the past but it's a bit more vulnerable to talk about things what God's doing in your life now. And um, uh, just a few weeks back I was praying and asking God, Lord, I really want to uh, get back that strength that I used to have where I could just hear your whispers, I could just know where the Holy Spirit was leading me. And I felt like it's a bit harder now as I've got older. I know that's because we have to mature and everything. But um, I just I was praying about that and I <laughs> it's funny how God actually is to us and speaks to our heart in a way that is going to be the most understood by us, quote, according to our background and according to our culture of our upbringing and everything. And my dad always used to teach me um, and discipline with a little bit of humour, you know, so, um, and I could handle that and I like that. And so God often talks to me that way. And, uh, you know, you guys have got kids, uh, God will use that. And uh, <laughs> quite often I find, you know, I think out loud, right? I think out loud, I think out my thought processes, it's not, when I say it's not my final conclusion, it's me getting feedback on how I feel so far, and what do you think about it? So, uh, yeah, God uses that on me sometimes, and it's, I get a lot of those, oh, moments when uh, I just know God's, and it's usually when I'm telling one of my boys off, so thanks, Reuben. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, your parents often say, oh, teenagers, you know, they've got a selective hearing, you know. Well, God sort of showed me this week I've got selective hearing, but <laughs> I hadn't really realised, but in the small things that he tells me to do, or not to do, the things that I think don't hold much weight and aren't that important, I, I dismiss and say, oh, look, you know, it's only a peanut butter sandwich, I just have it, this is getting silly. And I was, and, and no, God was talking to me about something, and I was ignoring his small whispers, and um, God's really drawn me back to that. So I have to be obedient in the small things when I know that it's him, and deep down, when I reflect back, I knew, I knew it was him, but I was just kind of, oh, it can't be. You know, so I thought I'd share that. Um, I think we have to be obedient in the small things, and then he will lead us on further from there. I once had the experience of pulling together about 40 people in a room. We were going to watch this video that was reasonably provoking. Um, one day when I feel brave enough, we'll try it on you guys. Um, and at the end of the video, I asked everybody two questions and one question was what they thought of what had been played in the video um, and the other one was 
have you ever had what you would call a spiritual encounter? Okay, that's, and 40 people roughly. There was no one, um, there were people who weren't Christians, or certainly had, certainly one of them had multiple times told me that they'd never felt the presence of God. And uh, every single person there could tell you an experience of this thing happened. That I have to, that they had to put in the category of spiritual. I always remember that because I remember thinking afterwards. I thought, who would have thought? They were just people like you and me and your neighbour, but they were Kiwis. We don't talk about that stuff. So, I'd like. Uh, not everything gets done from up front. We're going to sing some songs. There's space. Um, if you'd like to pray with someone, we'd love to see that happen. If you're sitting next to someone you trust, do there. If you're not, come up the front and someone will come and join you. There's going to be soup and bread and all that kind of stuff and some quiche. Do real men eat quiche nowadays? Yeah. yeah, they do. Excellent. I'm pleased to hear it. I don't know why we ever had that chip on our shoulder. Um, there'll be that kind of stuff. And feel free to talk about the weather or the rugby or the cricket. Linda, did you hear that? I mentioned the cricket. Um, oh, she's next door. <laughs> um, but, um, but don't feel that you only have to talk about that. That question, have you ever had something just you can't, that you'd put in the category of this spiritual thing happened? I have to say, preparing for this, um, Phil, when you, there was an earthquake in Papua New Guinea last year, and you had been there and you thought, oh, we have to do something. And then you rang some people and it came off and I kind of went, wow, that's God's Holy Spirit working because how else would that happen? Yep, because often there's that, remember? Just for us, it's not only about us. It's about more. So what I'd like us to do is just while the team gets up there, um, we'll make it a little bit easier for we'll uh, break the ice by singing this again. And the team will come up and listen song. There won't be a day you'll leave me on my own. Your presence, Lord, is everywhere I go. One more time. There won't be a day you'll leave me on my own. Your presence, God, is everywhere I go.